Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happenings. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballish, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways, Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes, that, that seems to be the decision. All down. Road. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be, it'll be my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the Be Cool Radiator Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to another episode of Horsepower Happenings. A lot going on uh, as of today. A lot of stuff going on that we're going to talk to you about. Those things and more coming up, but first... Here are some things happening in a Motor City Minute. NASCAR in action over the weekend, and of course, started with the Truck Series on Saturday. Carson Hosovar, the Portage, Michigan driver. Uh, of course, we know he's going Cup Series racing next year. He's trying to cap it off with a championship in his final run in trucks. Uh, what we assume is his final run in trucks. Win number four coming at Homestead Speedway on Saturday. Then Saturday night, Sam Mayer put Junior Motorsports back in victory lane. Uh, the boss was in the house racing as well. He finished fifth, and uh, Sam Mayer gets the win. And then a dramatic NASCAR Cup Series event on Sunday saw Christopher Bell with a late race charge go to victory lane and stamp his approval into the next round of the chase for the championship. And breaking news earlier today that wasn't all that breaking. Everyone in the industry seemed to know this was coming. The All-Star Circuit of Champions has been acquired by the High Limit Sprint Car Series. Tony Stewart is out. Kyle Larson and the big cat Brad Sweet are in. We'll discuss that more coming up in just a moment. Those things and so much more happening tonight. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. How are you? You know what was cool this weekend? I got to see you, and it wasn't at a racetrack, and it's still... There was a lot of yellow flying around, right? <laughs> Not enough. I don't think there was enough of it, but yes, there was. <laughs> uh, and somebody just ran away with it. So yeah. We weren't at a racetrack, though. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, I, I told you I was playing The Bachelor on uh, Sunday, and so I was looking for something to do, so I made the trip over to your neck of the woods and uh, met you at playoffs, and, and we sat down and watched uh, a really good NFL football team take on I don't know who showed up on the other side of the football, but uh, it was not our Detroit Lions that we had seen earlier this year. So I don't know. I think maybe they just went a little early into the bye week, and they'll be okay when they come back uh, in two weeks. Yeah, but I, I can tell you what, Zach. Um, after I got home, I turned on an event, and I am glad I turned it on. Yeah, you got, got to see a dandy of a dirt late model race, didn't you, my friend? Um, it was. Um, I, I didn't expect it. Um, you know, I, I heard a lot. A lot of the previews said they're going to do the best they can down at Eldora with that racetrack. Just too much water over four days. And um, 
they got it looking pretty good. They they really put some track prep into it, but uh, that was a crazy 100 lap feature event uh, for the Dirt Track World Challenge. Uh, after four days, Zach, like I said, of on and off rain, a uh, 100 lap championship event can only be characterized as wild. Uh, Brandon Shepard won his record tying fifth Dirt Track World Championship on Sunday night at Eldora. Uh, Shepard is now tied with Freddie Smith, who had passed away last week for the most wins in the 43-year history of the race, as B. Shep earned $100,000 for his victory. Shepard had just enough fuel to coast across the line, barely edging out Hudson O'Neill, who was running third at the white flag lap. Third, not second. Uh, he was at the, uh, at the white flag. He was uh, third behind Devin Moran. And for the race wins that saw a record eight lead changes, Zach, that is a lot for 100 laps. The previous high for lead changes uh, was in the inaugural Dirt Track World Championship in 1981, where five different drivers led the race. Uh, O'Neill, with the runner-up finish, claimed his first career Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series National Championship, which will earn him and his car owner, Mark Richards, a Dirt Late Model record $200,000. O'Neill finished Zach .084 seconds behind Shepard as he was rolling across the the flag on fumes two pretty big and make it three when you talk about that talking points out of this event rich and so the first one is obviously the guy who dominated the entire season did not win the championship which is what happens when you introduce a playoff style point system we've been watching it now for almost 20 years in the nascar series uh, mainly in the Cup Series, we've been watching it uh, for, can you believe that, almost 20 years? I mean, we're at, like, what, 15 years or something like that with this with this playoff system. Um, there's talking point number one, and that is that RTJ broke, and, and they did get that car back out there, but they were not uh, going to win that race. Talking point number two, and I like Jason Seltzer just posted about this earlier today. He said, you guys complain when the track blows off from top to bottom and you can't get any sort of you know, run going anywhere because it's dry slick and rubber down from top to bottom. You complain when the track is uh, so rough that you can't hardly find a groove. Well, this racetrack was a little bit of both, Rich. It was, it had character on the bottom and the top, and it was slick through the center where they were able to get that smooth and smoothed out and put some put some rubber down. Uh, and then the third talking point, obviously, Bishop running out of fuel because of how long it took this race to end. But, um. For me, let's start with talking point number one in the playoff format. I'm not a fan of playoff formats in, in circle track racing, plain and simple. I, I was happy when they took it out of the CRA rulebook, um, and uh, I'm okay if you crown a champion two or three events before the last race of the season. I'm just I'm okay with that. If somebody dominates the year, they should get crowned the championship. Number two, though, and I'll let you have your chance, we knew... This was the playoff format before we went to Eldora. So the way that social media had a absolute crybaby fest when RTJ broke, you knew this. You knew this almost a year ago. <laughs> this was going to be the possibility. And, oh, yeah, by the way, a broken RTJ fourth-place points finish paid $75,000. So he didn't win the championship. But he got paid, okay, and he, he, he did okay for himself. Uh, and it was a really good race, okay, on the racetrack surface thing. It was a really good race. Eldora is in the Midwest. It's cold. It's rainy in October. 
and those are going to be the track conditions that you have to deal with. I thought the track crew did a really good job postponing on Saturday, and they, or excuse me, on Friday, and and Saturday, and they they played the hand they were dealt on Sunday. And um, I've seen, Rich, I've seen worse racetracks with with dirt late models on them. I can tell you that much. So, your thoughts? Um, I I haven't. I didn't. I don't have a problem with the track crew. They, like you said, they had. They could only work with what they were dealt. Um, and I thought, and they worked that track for four days trying to get it race ready, and it just wouldn't stop raining. Every time it stopped, they got on there. Uh, it would start raining again. Huh. the The problem with the problem with last night is so many broken parts because the track was so rough. Right. Right. And that and that was my problem. It's like there were some good cars. Tyler Carpenter was amazing. Came from 17th to the lead. To the lead. <laughs> uh, inside of 30 laps, right? Inside of 30 laps. Uh, and then that, that car, it started to go away, and then it broke, right? Um, and these guys weren't breaking because of contact. They were breaking because they were bouncing through the corners. And you had to find a groove. And Brandon Shepard, he, you know, he broke early. He had a brake line break on the left rear. They had to bring it down. He went back out without even bleeding the brakes, and he they got another quick caution. He went down pit road. They were able to bleed the brakes, and then he was on the march. And I think he was one of the fortunate ones. Devin Moran was probably the smartest one of them all. Who really? <laughs> he just cruised. He sat there around seventh or eighth the whole night. Never even tried to run fast. Just stay on the lead lap. And when it came down near the end it played right into his hands. He yeah. probably knew that I can't run this car for a hundred laps hard. This, the parts aren't going to last. I really thought that Mikey Marler had a shot too. Uh, no, I'm I'm sorry. Not Mike Marler. Um, I, uh, the 39 car, Tim McCready. I thought he had a real shot, uh, to win that race. Let's be honest. He was in the catbird seat for quite a while. And, uh, you know, that 39 car just ended up going away. So let me ask you this. Do you see, uh, well, let me just ask it point blank. Are you okay with the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series running a playoff, one race, winner-take-all format for the championship, or were you heartbroken when RTJ snapped the right front off that car? Um, let me put it this way, because it's not that simple. Yes, I was heartbroken when RTJ broke early. Uh, I thought that was disappointing. I didn't feel bad for him after 35 wins, because he, he, he won way more money than anybody else did <laughs> this year. <laughs> Here's what I believe. Do I like the playoff format? No. Okay. I don't, I think what you've done all year should have something to do with winning a championship. Yeah. With that said, and I'm not playing both sides of the fence. It's just the way it works out. You knew this in January after the, before the first race. Yeah. Everybody signed this. up for it. Yeah. Every, you knew this. It wasn't, it, they didn't make this up halfway through the season. This was, this was, you can plan this out and how you, you know, how you do this. You knew before the very first race at Golden Isles back in January, I believe yep. it was, that uh, this was the format. And you knew what you had to do um, to make it to the championship race. So as long as you know and you're well aware, I don't have a problem with it. But is it, a, is it my preferred format? No, I think what you do all year long should have, should weigh heavily uh, on what you've done going into the championship event, some kind of bonus points for wins, something like that, because that will help, you know, not, 
you don't have to go all the way down the line, but if you maybe a win is an extra bonus point going into playoffs. And, you know, that I don't know how much that would have helped um, RTJ last night. He was a couple laps down, but he, I think he finished 14th or something like that. But it, I don't know. It's everybody knew what the pl- what the plans were. You can't change your thoughts on it when it doesn't fit. When the race doesn't work out the way you like. When you it doesn't go the way you want it to. That's exactly right. So, uh, all right. Well, let's move on from that and let's talk about something else uh, that uh, is a little bit of a talking point. MSPA meeting was held over uh, at MIS on Thursday, and uh, it was a great great meeting. We're an associate member through Horsepower Happenings. And I got a chance, Rich, to catch up with a couple of folks after the meeting. Uh, record attendance, by the way, almost a hundred people in attendance to this meeting. That's um, cool. So this was one of the. I mean, literally, people were sitting along the back alley. We called it Death Row, or actually, your boss uh, Ron Drager called it Murderers Row uh, <laughs> back there, uh, which was even more funny because it was who's your, who's your tire representatives. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but in any case, um, you know, a lot of that meeting is is intended for only those who are in attendance. And so we're not going to go over uh, all the nuts and bolts. But, Rich, I just want to say I, got, I had a chance to catch up with Corrigan Oil Speedway. And I had a chance to talk to Jim Leisure and really kind of welcome him back into the promoter's world. And he's excited, but also admittedly knows that they have some work to do and Probably for this year, don't look for huge changes out of Corrigan Oil Speedway, um, but that they are going to race, they're going to be in operation, and they are ready to rock. Uh, that, that Jim is, you know, trying to take in as much information as he can. He said, he said candidly and admittedly that those three years that he was gone, this sport has changed a ton. And, oh yeah, by the way, there was a world pandemic in there to, to kind of change that up as well since Jim had left. So... He's just trying to catch up, right? He's just trying to get with the program and figure out what he needs to do with, with technology and, and how they can be a better facility. And he's really excited to get this season started. Yeah, I mean, three years in this business being out of it, is uh, that's a long time. Yeah, for um, sure. And we've, we've seen with other tracks what's happened within three years. Where was Owasso Speedway three years ago? Yeah. Um, where was Birch Run Speedway three years ago? They, they've They've everybody's made changes and made changes to their program and how, how they're structured and what they're doing and the types of shows they're having. Um, if you're going to compete, you have to be able to compete with everybody else uh, That's right. for, the, for your customer's dollar. Right. That's right. So, so you need to, you know, you have to go through and figure out what kind of programs can I put up where I can put butts in the seats and, um, and what's best for that area. And, you know, he's done it before he'll figure it out. Um, but those are the things you got to deal with uh, in this day and age. All right. And then the other thing, too, I had a chance to talk with the folks from M40 Speedway. The Russells were in attendance, and they are excited to get into 2024 and have a whole season to promote, not just July forward. <laughs> so um, we'll have both of those promoters on our show coming up uh, here in in the off season. I call it an off season with air quotes because it's never really an off season, Rich. You know this. Um, but uh, we're going to talk to the Russells and – you know, what an interesting approach they've had for this, uh, taking over M40 Speedway, Russell's M40 Speedway, and um, it seemed to be working there at the end of the year, Rich. They were getting butts in seats, as you said, and cars in the pits. So uh, who knows what could happen in 2024? And you can't say that the last few years, right? I mean, you right. didn't know what was you didn't know what was going to happen to it. Uh, 
they stepped up to the plate. They have the motivation. Um, and they showed that they can, you know, make in a short period of time, um, that they made positive strides at, at M40. So, uh, now they have a whole winter to plan, uh, where they'll be ready when they come out of the gate in April. And uh, I, I think that'll be much better for Russell's M40 Speedway, which is what we're going to call it now. Other news uh, that we missed during the Motor City Minute, I want to get your thoughts on. Carson Hosevar now into the car ownership role and made that official on Facebook. He and Zach Dunson announcing a new full-time driver for their late model program over the weekend. And, Rich, um, this, is a, this is a leap for Carson to be in the owner's role, which we do see a lot in today's world where NASCAR guys have other things going on. And so he's in the owner's world now with a late model program. They've tapped this kid from Canada to drive this car next year. Rumor has it we'll see him in some Jegs races. And uh, they've also got a lot of other things that they're planning on doing to help fill that schedule. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, Zach Dunson and Carson Hosevar, a dynamic duo for a long time as driver crew chief. Now they're going to tackle this thing as kind of car owner and driver developer. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, uh, Chase Pinsano, he he's from over in Canada, had been running Delaware Speedway and, and other other tracks over there. So Flamborough and such. So um, you know, and that's that's what everybody's doing these days. It's to have a development program. And, you know, maybe it helps. Maybe Carson Hosevar's not done running. We had talked the other day. Is he done running late models? I doubt he's done totally running late models, but it can also help him do test and tune and stuff like that with his driver to kind of make sure that what works on the car that he wants to drive when he wants to drive it. So him and Zach are a lot closer on the same page. hundred percent. And then lastly, Rich, uh, the news that broke today that a lot of people already knew about the all-star, the Tezos all-star circuit of champions presented by mobile one has been acquired by the High Limit Sprint Car Series. Uh, of course, Tony Stewart, long time, since about 2014, I believe, Tony Stewart has been the owner of the All-Star Circuit of Champions. That now hands over the reins and the keys to Kyle Larson and the big cat, Brad Sweet. Um, I think this is a good thing, Rich. I'll speak on this first, uh, the dirt sprint car scene. Getting a little oversaturated there for a minute with series, right? 410, 360 Sprint Car Series, Wing Sprint Car Series in general. Um, we're getting a little little spread thin. I think the thing that High Limit did was, was good. They raced during the week for ungodly amounts of money, which helped their shows be really good. But let's face it, the All-Star Circuit of Champions had four, count them, four full-time drivers this year. That's not good. That's not a good look. Um, and so... What does this do? Well, this this takes away some competition. This puts some more money back in the pot. And, Rich, I really think now you're going to be a lot of question. People are hoping that they keep the all-star name in the history, right? All-stars, as we know, when Blake does his call, uh, is the original 410 Touring Sprint Car Series. They go way back. Hopefully they keep the name, Rich, and then if that's the case, we're back to all-stars versus World of Outlaws back in the good old days competing for 410 sprint car champions and wins and i think i think it could be pretty cool and i'll tell you right now the real winner is going to be the sprint car fans and the sprint car drivers because i can guarantee those high limit uh marketing people are going to team up with the all-stars marketing people and there's going to be some serious cash on the line in 2024 
Yeah, if you don't think that, you got another thing coming, right? Right. I mean, I mean, you got the you got the two guys. Uh, both of them are, are are pretty good at marketing themselves, right? And they did not have a problem get that high limit series off the ground. And I thought it was amazing what they did. And they did um, some unconventional things too, right? Like they could not give away an extra what was it thirty thousand dollars or something to start to roll the dice and start in that spot. They couldn't yep. give it away, and. Um, and just the amount of money they were able to bring in the side-by-side. Let me tell you something. I'm a sprint car guy, but I think single-file restarts are the dumbest thing that we do in sprint car racing. I love that High Limit did, did double-file restarts. I thought it was very cool. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing is we just need to keep our eye out and looking to see what they're going to do because there will be changes, right? Oh, yeah. You know there will be changes. They're not just going to say, okay, we're going to transfer ownership now, and here's our schedule. We're going to do the exact same thing. That is not going to happen, and they are going to improve it. Uh, dollar signs around it, probably a little bit, <laughs> to, ent- to entice more drivers to show up and make it, uh, you know, you know in- to entice them into running for a championship and to make it worthwhile, maybe a bigger championship fund. Um, so we'll have to see because this is just, you know, several hours old. I think everybody knew it was kind of coming anyway, like you said. But uh, we'll have to see. I think it's I think it's going to be good, uh, good for our region and wherever uh, the All Star Circuit of Champions travels. Finally, uh, what does this mean for Tony Stewart? He still has Eldora Speedway. Uh, he and the misses are doing drag racing and having a lot of fun. He's obviously got Stuart Haas Racing in the NASCAR series. Um, what does this mean for him? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe owning a sprint car team again or something. I I, I mean or being more involved with the sprint car team, I should say. Um, I don't know. Do you think that he's just kind of trying to dwindle down here as he gets older, or are we going to see something else along the, along these lines where he's going to announce that he's doing something else? Um, I think he wanted to, I think he, he took it to task to want to grow that, uh, to grow the all-star circuit of champions that he really wanted to do that because of his love for sprint car racing. And now I think he's got a lot on his plate and there's stuff that has to take priority. Um, and that, you know, so why not hand it over uh, to two of the guys who you know have shown that they can do something and, and build a series? I mean, they started it from the ground up, right? Uh, and they've been pretty impressive. And I, I think, he, you know, I don't think he would have just sold it to anybody if, if uh, just because somebody came up with a, with a big suitcase full of money. Um, I think he wanted to get it in their hands when they were ready to do it. And I think that's, that's what happened. And uh, I think it's going to work out for everybody. Well, with somebody else on the phone now who knows a little bit about promoting uh, Sprint Car Series, knows about promoting Sprint Car Ownership, and knows about promoting himself as a driver, no, it's not Tony Stewart. That would be a pretty good transition, though, from what we just talked about. But it is the guy affectionately known as Farmer, Rich Farmer, uh, who was just announced as the new promoter, returning promoter. I'm not sure how you'd want to say that. For Fremont Speedway. Uh, starting in 2024 from Fremont, Ohio. Rich, welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, thanks for having me tonight. Well, let's dive into this. Uh, for those who are new to this and and uh, maybe are getting into auto racing and are thinking returning to Fremont Speedway is Rich Farmer. Uh, Farmer, talk to me about this. So you did have uh, quite the stint in this position at Fremont, stepped away, and now you're back. Uh, so, so let's talk about first and foremost um, when 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 the board took the racetrack back and 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 you guys kind of went different directions. Uh, let's let's talk about that moment in time from a couple of years ago 
and what your path was to coming back to this. Yeah, so like five years ago is, is when I, you know, sold, uh, and people don't understand the selling part, but I, I sold them my company, which consisted of a lot more than most people would understand. We actually owned the fencing, the lighting, the seating, the, all the equipment and all that kind of stuff at the time. So we sold it to them. I was just, um, you know, I, I had been there pretty much every Saturday of my life since I was five. And I thought, well, you know, I want to go do some other stuff. And, sure. um, my brother passed away suddenly and that kind of, kind of made me want to go do some other stuff. My brother had been there with me every, every race. And it was just, just wasn't quite the same. And, um, we was getting to the point where, and quite honestly, the fair board was coming to me wanting more and more and more. And I'm like, Hey guys, not a ton left here. Um, so, so we ended up with that path and, um, you know, they ran it for the last five years and, um, the beginning of this year, we were doing some consulting for them, just, uh, trying to kind of help get it guided a little bit and long and short of it didn't work out the way everybody wanted it to. And here we are now in your time away, uh, your ventures, my understanding are included driver. And now this is the way that I was introduced to you through social media is a pretty darn successful car owner. Let's talk about that moment in time for you, um, kind of branching out and, and getting behind the wheel a little bit. And then, uh, maybe just the transition into writing the, the checks instead. Yeah. When I was, when I was younger, I actually drove race cars regularly. Uh, when I was like 18, 19, 20, somewhere along there, I raced, uh, dirt trucks, late models, sprint cars, uh, pavement stock cars, a whole bunch of different stuff. And I, uh, ended up getting hurt in a race car in 2003. Yeah. Broke my neck. And, um, at that point I kind of became a car owner, um, from there. And yeah, we've, uh, been very fortunate in the car owner department. The, the list of guys that have wanted my stuff is, is pretty cool, but, um, yeah. And then kind of went back to running the, uh, went to the racetrack and became the promoter there and still owned race cars during that time. Uh, pretty <laughs> much that whole time. I think we had at least two race cars that raced and, uh, you know, then afterwards, uh, you know, we went and raced some more. It's just, you know, pretty much what I do. So it's, uh, you know, I got a job job, but racing's more my, my passion than anything. Rich, I want you to put the promoter's hat back on for a minute. Uh, Zach and I just got done talking about a promoter that's been out of it for three years up here in Michigan, and he's coming back, um, that the climate has changed in, in auto racing, trying to get the local fans in the seats. Not for the big shows, it's trying to get them weekly to show up to your racetrack. You're going to do this five years apart. Um, you got to believe there's big changes from when you from your first stint till starting here in 2024. Yeah, I think if I was five years apart and had went fishing for five years and wasn't connected to the sport, that it would be a little bit more challenging than it's going to be. But yeah, in five years' time, I mean, look at social media in the last five years. Look at streaming in the last five years. Look at the just the overall competition for the ticket in the last five years. Um, I think um, a lot of racetracks they open the gates and they think that they can put on a race and that's going to be good enough. And, um, fortunately for me and, and my wife, we don't think that way, never have thought that way. And, you know, we try to make every single event, um, 
you know, just that an event instead of just a race. So, um, you know, we'll pair some things up, make it interesting, give the fans a reason to be in there instead of, you know, clicking on a device to watch it, and hopefully it all works out. Real quick, just I know, Rich, you got one more thing. Uh, well, there are several more things, but Farmer, tell me in your mind, what is the difference? Uh, what 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 are some key things that turn a race into an event? Um, because I know some of us are programmed to think that an event is just something you attend and something happens and there you go. But for us, that's the way racing was. The race was the key thing, and that's what got people there. So what what in your mind changes it from just going to a race to now fans are attending an event uh first and foremost you got to have fan engagement right you got to have something that is engaging the fan whether that's a theme for the night or you know a way to just get the fans connected to feel part of the facility part of the of the event part of it you know you just got to have them fully engaged in some way shape or form and um you know today there's a lot of ways to do it there's there's some cool ways with, with devices, with app-based things and all that kind of stuff that I think is going to going to be very helpful. Now, I have a question, and this is, I'll go right to it because I know there's a lot of people, a lot of race teams out there saying, oh, no, are we going to be able to race at Fremont next year? Are they going to make changes? Are they going to move our division? You, Fremont's been pretty successful at what they do with their core group of and, – and the drivers are your customers too, right? you got to think of it that way. Um, Pretty safe that you're going to bring back the divisions that, that Fremont is famous for? Yeah, absolutely. We, do, we don't have a hesitation in that at all. We're going to have 305s. We're going to have 410s. We're going to have dirt trucks. That's going to be our main stable. We will bring in some other stuff throughout the year because we need to have some flavor. We need to have some variety, but those are going to be our main stable. And, you know, like you said, the, the racers are our customer. It's uh, Promoting a racetrack is a unique deal because – um, you got to have, you got three totally different customer bases every night, right? You got the drivers and teams, the pit side of it. You got your business partners and race sponsors and that side of it. And then you got your general admission grandstand fan of the races side of it. And you're making three totally distinct groups happy with the same product. So, you know, at the end of the day, that's, uh, that can be challenging and, you just got to do what you can to make as many people as happy as you can in one given night. And by the way, all three equally important, right? So it, you, can't, you can't try to just lean to making the drivers happy because you're going to leave the other two out, and, and the same thing goes for the other the other two. Yeah, and I think in today's race society that sometimes the drivers forget that at the end of the day we need to sell tickets. You know, we got to put people in the seat. Everybody wants more from a facility. They want, you know, they want more prize money. They want more points money. They want more you know, just amenities and all that kind of stuff. But in order to get that, we need to get those people in the stands. So that's, uh, it, it's the ongoing challenge, right? And, and one of the other cool things that, that I've actually witnessed and went to is the Attica Fremont Challenge Series. And I believe that's with the sprint, sprint car. Uh, I think that's a cool cross-marketing thing for both racetracks, and it helps both out. Yeah, and, and really that's been going on since 2009 when Brian O'Tullo and those guys come up with the Fast Series originally. Um, and then when I stepped away, the the Fast thing kind of, it, it was a weird weird situation and then it kind of opened the door for the AFCS deal. And Dwayne is, you know, he's done a great job. I mean, he's brought a lot to the table. Um, he brings a lot of bonus money and, and the points money is great. Um, we just got to find a way to get more people to chase that points deal. Um, it's got to become more of, uh, 
more of a want, you know, more of a passion to want to do that. And, and in today's world, that's, uh, that can be challenging. What do you think that, and, and you kind of answered it there because I was going to say, what do you think it is? Um, cause we have guys right now, I, I think about Butler up here, my home track, only four ten weekly, uh, racetrack that, that we have here in the state of Michigan. And, Honestly, Tim has done a good job, Tim Wilbur, the promoter there, of getting a better car count for that division. And while he may have 18 to 20 cars a week, Rich, it is 17 different guys who are showing up every week. Um, and then yeah. your challenge is going to be Friday, Saturday night racing with for these teams, which for the travelers is no big deal. So are you looking at, with this, with this Attica Fremont Challenge Series, is your struggle trying to get the once a week weekly racer to try to race two nights a week with these race cars. Do you think that's your biggest challenge? I think that is a challenge. Um, I don't know that it's the biggest challenge. I, I think that most of these guys, when you get, especially to the 410 level, there's not many people that are financially not well off doing 410 sprint car racing right. in today's world. Right. I mean, four, 410 sprint cars are the formula one of dirt in my opinion. So if, if, if there's not a ton of those now there is some and there's definitely a place for them in in our society of 410 racing right um but i, I think the bigger challenge is um like myself i personally hate points racing as a car owner as a driver as anything i've done in the past i'm not a points racer i don't like racing points um but i get i, I you know on the promoter side i kind of need people to race for points so um it, it's a toss-up but you know, we like to, as a car owner and stuff, we like to go to different places, check out different things, see different, you know, go to different towns and, and that kind of thing. So I don't fault anybody that does that because I understand the fun of it. Um, but as far as the weekly racer goes and, and that kind of thing, we got to find some opportunities that make it make sense. And I'm really hopeful to work with the other promoters in the region to create some events that, Hey, we'll lay down for you on a Saturday. You lay down for us. And, and maybe we do that and get something working out. I mean, we got five pretty good 410 racetracks in the area, you know, between Fremont, Attica, Wayne County, Atomic Butler has really, you know, gotten much better in the last year and a half or so. Um, you know, so when you look at all of that, if we can find a way to work somewhat together, you know, we all can't stop on Saturdays, but, I think we, you know, if there's five nights, we could stop once, we could stop for each of us once. And, um, you know, that's, you're only asking for one a month at that point. So um, I think you could pull off something that'd be really cool. Obviously, you are no stranger to this, a uh, two-time regional promoter of the year in your back pocket. Um, but what are some challenges maybe, I don't know that people think about this, uh, you, you know, you do have that title now of promoter with, with that five-year lease, but Working with the fairgrounds, um, it, it, that is a different thing than for somebody who's just got a racetrack out in a cornfield that the township says, okay, yeah, you guys are good to do what you need to do. Um, are there any different challenges that people might not expect with you trying to work with, with the fair board and with the fairgrounds on that property? I don't feel that there is, no. I mean, in the past, I had an outstanding relationship with the fair board, and we we put on a lot of good events. and we were able to work together and get a lot of really cool things done. I don't see that being an issue. Um, the majority of the people on the board um, understand what we're going through and they probably understand it even better now because of 
of what's happened the last five years. So I think that I think that's helped educate some of them, and they realize now that we can have a great partnership and uh, and work forward. I mean, I I wouldn't did, have done this if I thought it was going to be a struggle. Well, you have two events coming up, right? I mean, your your tenure began began effective immediately, and uh, you're wasting no time uh, putting that hat back on. As a matter of fact, in 24 hours' time, you'll have race cars on the racetrack, and uh, that's a that's a struggle in itself to do a midweek show. So let's talk about this pretty cool memorial event coming up tomorrow. Yeah, it's kind of worked out a a little bizarre. I mean, uh, Art Ball, who is uh, you know, up until a month and a half or so ago was the all-time feature winner at Fremont Speedway until Paul Weaver passed him. Uh, and he passed away this past week. And, in, you know, we were, me and Corey McCoy, who is, who is kind of the leader on this race, um, you know, I told him, I said, dude, we got to get this thing in. We got, you know, we're, do I feel we're 100% prepared as well as we would become May or April or something like that? No, but um, in my world, we surround ourselves with a lot of good people and that's what allows for us to have success in, in our business life. So we got great people involved. The race needs to happen. Art ball is going to get his last lap. It kind of all timed out together where he's going to be able to, they're going to give him a ride around there in the hearse tomorrow night for his final lap. And to me, I think that's, uh, beyond cool. And so let's talk about this a little bit divisions who's welcome to come uh how can folks support this event yeah you can come out buy a ticket ten dollars for general admission thirty dollars for a pit pass our gates are going to open at four o'clock um we're going to have a driver's meeting at five fifteen, and right from there to hot laps from there to the racing so um you know it's going to be a quick paced event try to get out of there early we're in the city and kids got school so you know we got to try to try to get in power through and get it done but yeah, anybody, if they had a rainout ticket from October the 6th, those tickets are still good. Their pit passes are still good. And, you know, hopefully we can see some people out at the races for the trucks and late models, stock car trucks together and some late model racing. Probably should have had Corey on because I've known Corey for years to talk about this thing. And I know how much effort he's put into this. Um, but so you can have late models. Kind of explain the showdown series cars because I've seen people on social media asking um, hey, can we show up? I, I have this kind of a car or this kind of a car. Uh, but this is kind of a continuation of a show that got started, so it's a little bit different, right? Yeah, so the the stock car truck side of it or the showdown side, that feature event is pretty much already set, right? They ran their B, the feature set, so there's not a whole lot to add to that. I mean, he does have some buyback stuff and some other other things going on. I personally haven't read the rule book to see how they made all this function together, but you know, Corey assures me that it's good. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Corey and I've, Corey and I've raced together, you know, for quite a while. So, um, I trust him on this. And I think it's, uh, when you look at the effort that he's put in, you look at the effort Nora Wagner's put in on the late model side of it. I mean, these, these guys are racers, man. They just, they're trying to do something better for everybody. And they understand that, that's what it takes. And, you know, Corey is definitely dedicated. He, he didn't race in it because he feels that he needs to do a better job and, and, and not be distracted. So I, I admire him for that as well. And then the, I, I mentioned two events coming up next week, kind of the, um, kind of the welcoming party. That's, that's also paired up with, uh, the, uh, the swap meet. Talk about that, how important that is for you on, 
the promoter side of things and now the boss side of things because you're going to talk with customers, you're going to talk with employees. How big is this swap meet going to be for you? And and oh by the way, we've been talking to you, farmer, but but the release clearly says Richard and Shelley. So this is also for for your wife too. Um, how important is that swap meet date going to be for you to get to shake hands, hear from from fans, from drivers, and from employees? Well, you know the good thing about it is is most everybody we know them right because we've never never been a stranger to the racetrack. So that side of it, it's not like we're going to meet a bunch of strangers. We're going to meet people we know, people that have worked for us in the past, people that maybe haven't worked for us, but we still know who they are because, you know, in the racing family, everybody pretty much knows everybody, right? So that side of it's pretty good. Um, as far as the employee side, you know, we'll be able to see what we got for boys and that kind of thing every time in the off season. You know, it's not fun giving up every Saturday night of your summer. So, these, you know, people don't tend to make careers out of it, but, um, you know, some do. And uh, on the race team side of it, I look forward to it. I mean, um, every Saturday night I was at the racetrack, they'd come up to me, Are you guys going to do something? You're going to try to do something? When are you coming back? And all this. So, you know, we'll be back and, and talk to them. And, you know, I'm just trying to, to gauge the temperature, right? Because as a, I learned this when I was 28 years old and I took over Fremont Speedway. I was the youngest promoter in the United States back then. And I found out that you can't run it like a racer because you will, you will very quickly lose your butt. So this, we, we've learned a lot and, you know, hopefully we can share with the teams some sentiment that makes them understand a little better why certain things have to be in a certain path, but, you know, at the same time, give them the, give them what they need and what they want to. Rick, you, you alluded it to about the social media issue. You know, you know, as well as I do, um, everybody on social media doubles as a promoter, right? Everybody knows how to do it better, but everybody knows how to critic, do it better. Yeah. yeah, everybody knows how to do it better than you do. Um, five years apart, you still were around the racetrack, still involved. But what are a couple of the key things that uh, when you made this decision, said I want to go back into this? What are a couple of the key key points that they're that are on, I guess, on the table for you to address at Fremont Speedway for twenty twenty four? I would say our first and foremost thing is we need to start on time, right? I mean, we need to we need to get started on time, as close to on time as physically, humanly possible, um, because people come out, they expect to see a show, they expect it to get in, get done, go home. And um, so that's probably the top of the board, right? And the second thing behind that is going to be track prep, you know, making sure we have a racing facility and a, and a surface that is good. Um, you know, now when I say that you go back to that critic side, right? Some people like slow and slick. Some people like her curved up somewhere. We find us a nice, happy medium, right? Um, or at least a variety of that. Um, so th those are probably the two things that ring the bell to me the most. Um, social media is a beast. I mean, it's either, and I always said, if the, you know, the nice thing about social media, you can look at a lot of racetracks. You can look at a lot of stuff on there. And if they're talking about you, at least they care enough to mention it. Good, <laughs> that, bad, or indifferent, indifferent, right? That's I what mean, I was going to say. Just as long as they say your name right, right? <laughs> oh, I used to, you know, when years ago, I would look at that stuff, and and you grow thick skin in this business pretty quickly, and and you look at it, and you and you're like, well, why? I wonder why they ain't bitching about this because that ain't much fun either. You know, we go to a lot of racetracks, see a lot of things, and and it's like. And I always just put it in my mind that the only reason why they are is because they care. 
you know, and, and you want them to care. And, and I would bet if everybody's being totally honest with one another, there's where there's smoke, there's fire, man. And, uh, sometimes you got to go home and you got to look in the mirror and realize that's an ugly place and you got to address it at times because everybody's human. Everybody makes mistakes, and sometimes you just got to hold yourself accountable. Squeaky wheel gets the grease, and I think that if enough people are squeaking about the same thing, you probably got to take care of it. So it's a pretty good assessment. Right. It's a pretty good assessment. Um, Rich, you mentioned, too, uh, uh, that in your first stint, you remained a car owner through that. Uh, you've got a pretty successful thing going on right now in sprint car racing on the car ownership side of things. Um, even even played around with a little pavement sprint car action earlier this season. Do you think that you'll keep the cars and, and keep fielding some drivers, or are you going to have to focus solely on the racetrack? Nah, we'll we'll be able to race. Um, you know, we we we've never stopped racing, and you know, I don't know that we'll be able to do some of the things that we've done in the past just because of, of travel and time and so on and so forth. But now nah, we we fully intend to race and the pavement car is sitting out at Michael's still, it's still sitting there put together. And, you know, Ray Brooks and I um, put that deal together and it just kind of sits there waiting for Craig to, you know, we, we have a lot of fun with that stuff. And, you know, ultimately we still need our escape, right? We still need that, that something to go do and, and something to, to have fun at that's not work. And, um, you know, Friday nights definitely won't be work. We'll be able to go race and, We'll be able to do that kind of stuff. So now we fully intend on fielding a race car. Farmer, last thing, and then we'll let you get out of here. And, and I'm sure that people have already started doing this. But um, looking forward to 2024, when somebody returns or, or maybe they've never raced under you before, so you'd be someone new, there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of excitement, there's a lot of anticipation, and there's a lot of question. What is the best way for incoming fans, incoming racers, to what are, what are the proper channels to funnel things through to get some things taken care of as we look toward 2024. Yeah. I mean, social media is probably the easiest in today's world. You know, I'm, I'm on Facebook as Richard farmer. I'm on Twitter as rich farmer 29. Um, the speedways on there is Fremont speedway, of course, on both, on both platforms there. Um, can send an email at Fremont speedway at Yahoo. Um, we'll get you there. Um, all those kind of things. I'm, I'm pretty open and easy to find. So, um, yeah, I, I don't mind taking time, um, to talk to people or to give them answers and that kind of thing. And, you know, hopefully next Saturday we'll be able to lay a lot of that stuff to rest and go from there. And the 2024 kickoff date is, uh, I was April hoping. 20th. Oh, April 20th. Fantastic. I was wondering if we would have one on the, on the books already. I was being facetious, but man, you threw that right back in my face. Good stuff. April 20th, 2024 yep. Fremont Speedway. So uh, put it on your calendars and be ready to go. Uh, Richard Farmer, yep, we'll, Rich we'll Farmer. We'll race from April 20th through the through the end of September. Okay, man, we are ready to go. Love to hear it. Uh, Farmer, effectively known as Farmer. Others may call him Rich. Uh, Facebook is Richard. Thank you so much for making time, man. Congratulations on getting back to Fremont. And uh, we're looking forward to it. It's a place I've never been, but I'm going to mark that off the list on 2024. We're going to get down there and see what's going on. So thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it, and uh, look forward to seeing you at the track. Well, there you have it. I, I did not expect to get an actual start date. <laughs> I was kind of being, I was kind of being smart with him there. He said, no, "April twentieth, we're ready to rock." So, uh, which which is a custom, right? End of April. So good to hear that. Good to talk to Rich uh, to, to to Farmer there. Um, I, like I said in the interview, I was introduced to him as a car owner. Uh, is how I know him. 
and you'll you'll see here that this is season five, episode whatever. So that's why I was introduced to him as a car owner because I didn't know anything about uh, anything when he was doing the racetrack promoting side of things. But coming back to it, Rich, this is pretty interesting. One of the things I would have liked to have asked him about is returning to Fremont Speedway to do this again. As he mentioned, his brother was a big part of that. Now without his brother, uh, I wonder what that's going to be like for him. But you, you kind of hear it. He's excited to get back to that racetrack that he grew up at and have a hand in it once again. Yeah, and like you said, you know, he hasn't been away from racing. He's been in it uh, constantly for the last 20-plus years. So, um, you know, this is this is nothing new. Um, he's just going back to what he did before. And now the only thing is there's probably a little bit of a different way that he has to do it. That's all. And he realizes that. And as and and half the battle um, of pr- promoting a racetrack is known what you should do and what you should never do. And he has a pretty good idea on both of those. All right, let's continue now, Rich. Uh, switch gears again. The uh, Sprint Car exclusive show, which we did not do on purpose. It just kind of fell into our laps this way. Uh, continues with a guy who was very consistent and uh, really showed a lot of speed this year again with the Greg Wheeler Motorsports crew. Uh, he makes his home in Indiana now and uh, calls that 16-car home. Tyler Rankin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Nice to, nice to be on Horsepower Happenings. Well, Tyler, let's talk about this season, man. Uh, and you messaged me along with Max Stamball. You guys almost messaged me the exact same time. What's the deal with those sprint car rankings? How'd we end up, man? We were paying attention to those things uh, because you were insanely consistent this year. Uh, maybe didn't rack up all of the wins that you feel like you would like to have had or maybe should have had. But the speed from that 16 car was evident all season long. Talk about from from the very beginning of the year, right up to the you know through the last couple of weeks, just how fast you and Greg had been able to get with that car. Well, I feel like we rolled off the last uh, few races from last year really, really strong, and that led us going into this year really nicely. And we started out extremely strong. 410 wise 360 wise all around and um it was i would say roughly two or three months into it we started hitting some some bumps in the road with trying to figure out what i need inside the race car and i think it was a little bit of me changing as a driver as it was me having to, to figure out what i needed out of a race car and once we uh, got through those little blips and uh, moved on from the 360 program uh, and went 410 racing full time, I really felt like then I really started coming into my own and being able to figure out what I needed in race cars and what I needed out of uh, everything that goes into with the night and once I started doing that, it really started plugging together for me. And it just, I feel like the, the speed coming into the tailing end of the year is a really nice feeling because if we uh, improve next year, like we have from last year going into this year, uh, it'd be a really interesting season next next year. Yeah. You mentioned the, the, the struggles that found you and it almost came in like, you know, they say deaths come in three. Well, your poor finishes came in threes this year, and it was really it's really interesting to look at my race pass. 17th, DNS, 18th, and then bam, 10th, 3rd, and then a one-off event where you finished 14th, and then 4th, 2nd, 10th, 
And then we see the, the pattern again, 24th, 19th, 13th, 13th, 10th, 20th, uh, and then, bam, you're cracking them off here at the end of the season. How do you, how do you and Greg, this has always been an interesting thing for me, as, as that race car driver, crew chief, car owner relationship, when things just aren't going right, what are the conversations like? Is there a lot of coaching? I mean, obviously, Greg Wheeler, he used to be a race car driver. He gets this, you know, kind of gets what you're going through as a driver standpoint. Obviously, the technology has changed. But when those nights are stringing together and things just aren't going your way, what are those conversations like? How are you keeping each other going? Do, do any of the moments get tense? Uh, just kind of take us inside the hauler a little bit. Um, with everything, there's always the the intensity of the situation, but the group that I had myself around right now is overly supportive. And when somebody has a bad night, everybody has a bad night. You know, everybody makes mistakes and it's just what you do to, to move on from it, whether it's a, a fluke of a thing or whether it's me making mistakes on the racetrack. And, you know, it's, it just happens. And you see it on uh, the large scale all the time with all of our guys and all stars and everybody makes mistakes. It's just what you do to, to rally from it and what you make of it by the end of the year. And it seems to be very supportive of everything that goes on and would drag me in a driver himself. I mean, he's, he's been there and he's done it and, the support that he gives me because he's went through the same exact things I have and are going to go through and continue to go through or whatever it may be. It's there's advice and there's hardship and there's maybe a new little kick in the ass a little bit, but in the end of the day, it's, it's overly supportive and we all have the one goal at the end of the night and that's to figure out how to get in victory lane. Tyler, I got to ask you, you know, you, I, I don't know. And then the reason I'm asking you is because you, you can ask every driver and it's probably different. Um, do, do you get better from returning to the place of the crime all the time? Or is it better for you to get on the road and go to a different track every single weekend, um, you know, on different surfaces? Well, if you'd asked me that halfway through the year, I would have said going back to a place was my key thing like i needed to get back into the same groove find what i was doing and then go back out but as we really tailed off there after about halfway through the season with making a 410 prominent schedule uh we uh we found that going these other places i was actually starting to thrive and you know it started with going to fairbury uh with the ira and we showed up fastest car out of the the whole fleet and hot laps i think we went sixth or something like that in qualifying finished second in the heat race and then we just had some mishaps in the uh getting ready to go out for the feature and ended up missing it but we we found that the speed was there then we've been at that point we were struggling to find speed and you know we come back home and ran some butler shows and we had extra speed that, that I hadn't had all year. So the more that we got out, the more I felt comfortable learning different places. And I, I just, I've never had that 410 background 
of going to different places. It's always been with that, the 360 crowd of being able to go to different racetracks. And for some reason, you know, I'd have super fast nights with the 360 stuff, but more times than not, I would find the gremlin or the, it didn't make sense between my head and the foot and the motor, you know, or, you know, whatever it may have been. It's just the 410 stuff just seemed to make a lot more sense for me. To follow that up just a little bit uh, along the same lines, like Zach said earlier, we just got off the phone uh, with Rich Farmer and uh, the new promoter at Fremont or, or back at Fremont anyway. Um, it's weird, right? Wait, I think yeah. returning. I think returning is the word we returning need. Uh, after being gone for five years. But um, and, and he says one of the biggest things in, in sprint car racing is getting enough cars to come back to run a championship. Uh, you know, like they run three or four guys show up every year and that's about it. Have you and Greg ever had that kind of conversation? Um, because I know I, I just seem to notice that it seems to me that more and more um, you're not getting a lot of a lot of a lot of teams showing up at the same track every week and going after a championship. Well, we have had that conversation and, you know, we started out this year and we we were set out to, to do the double. Uh, with DOSS, we were planning on running, you know, whether it be the north or the south, whatever played out the best by the time we had to choose and trying to do the tour thing. Um, and it just, it didn't work out. You know, there was problematic issues in the process, but going into this next year, we have some stuff that we've been looking at that we're looking to do a full time, uh, deal for points i've i've only ever had the opportunity to do it at butler and then last year with uh nra and we we missed shows with nra last year and just never had the full go at a at a championship so i think it'd be interesting uh to have a full year doing it especially with uh some racetracks that fit my cup of tea and I want to, you know, I'm treading on thin ice here because obviously we have an association to the organization and, uh, you, you know, you, you did a good job kind of dodging it. But I'll come at it a little bit head on, right? A call doesn't go your way. It's a questionable decision, questionable call at Lima Land uh, midway through the season. And, and I've talked I've talked with the other officials about it and I've told them point blank uh, that that was a questionable call. Was that kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, you know, I don't want people to sit here and go, well, that was the only reason, that was the sole reason that they gave up the 360 program and went chasing 410 races. When I look at it, I, I think, obviously, Tyler, right, that's a contributing factor to the decision. But I also wonder if it was just kind of the last straw where it was like, okay, we're not having fun doing this anymore for a lot of reasons. Let's go see what else we can do. Is that a fair look at it? Oh yeah, there was a there was a point even before that even started that we had noticed that the four ten route was definitely the end goal because the speed that I was able to produce in a four ten car versus a three sixty was quite evident, and uh, there was about three nights in a row that pretty much bottled up and. Uh, just that last night there at Mimo was the last straw, and it was uh, it was as immediate as it possibly could be. Uh, the next Tuesday, 
after we got back from uh, Lima, the th- two three sixties that we had, they went back to Washington. So it was uh, <laughs> not even looking the, at them uh, anymore. They're not even in the shop. Not even an option. Well, if they're there, you're going to run them, and if uh, <laughs> they're not, yeah. So it was the best option for us going forward, and we've uh, invested tenfold into doing the the four ten deal, and Greg is been overly supportive of trying to figure out what things we need to do to get me ready for this next year coming up and um he's he's got some motors on the way along with the motors we had and it's uh it's shaping up to be a pretty interesting next year i mean the power plant and we won't be sure of <laughs> that's for sure how, how- gotta, gotta really think that shark racing engines out in washington for that for sure and and that's the other thing too is how much did you change what you were doing so you guys as you mentioned through that point we're we're really invested in the 360 program you flip the switch and you have some pretty good success as you mentioned right off the get with really only the background being the 410 racing at butler how much adjustment did you have to make to get competitive in that 410 seat versus what you were doing to try to be competitive in the 360. We talk about it all the time on the show, uh, just about how much power there is. Uh, the displacement is different. The way that you, the car squats going into the corner is different because you're going faster. How much adjustment did you have to make? I would say it may may have took me about two nights of getting back used to running the 410 because before the point we stopped running the 360 DL, we had run it for almost a month straight without touching a 410. So it was like rip the bandaid off. Let's go 410 racing again. And it took a minute, but I really felt like it was like being at home again. And in, in a weird way, it, I feel so much more comfortable in a 410 car. I don't know if it's the ability to get myself out of situations with the horsepower or whether it's, the way the car sits in the corner or my ability to hook a race car up more. I don't know. Um, I just, I felt like with the 360 deal, I was always struggling to hook a car up at the end of the night. You know, we'd show up super fast off the get go and it would just trickle on down. And the speed that we would have was tremendous, but it would just, as soon as you get in a dirty air, it just it kills without having power. Tyler, got that the news of the day. Everybody knows it, right? Uh, high limit race car series, uh, sprint car series, t- uh, purchasing all star circuit of champions. Not that you guys would go on the road all the time, but uh, you guys got to have a conversation and just kind of wait and see what's going to happen with this all star circuit of champions, don't you? Well, I think everybody in uh, United States right now is waiting for somebody to come out with what, what people are <laughs> Hey, Um, I, I really feel like the, the split up between the all-stars and the world of outlaw deal is going to be a very interesting, uh, conversation. You know, if a high limit comes out with a extremely high paying series, why would you not? Right. But, you just got to really look at what makes the most financial gains and hopefully it lands the way you need it to. And people don't drop out halfway through the year or whatever. 
Well, on the other side of that, too, was the fact that you guys went and ran some IRA shows, and I caught, admittedly, only one of those on-flow racing where you guys uh, were up, and you guys were kind of down and out, right? Friday went really well for you guys, come back on Saturday, and you had to kind of race your ass off uh, in that Saturday portion, or, or maybe it's the Sunday portion I'm thinking of, uh, at Angel Park. Uh, that's what it was. It was Sunday at Angel. Um Man, what a racetrack that is. What a show that was. Kind of racing with IRA. You never know who you're going to get that shows up at the, these events. Um, I want to talk to you about that event specifically because you're away from home. You're with IRA. You're at this this very unique racetrack. Talk about coming back from behind the eight ball to uh, to a solid top ten finish there. That was a, a very pivotal point in our, our season. We went on a three-day racing weekend we went to lincoln then to plymouth i believe uh wilmot no, wilmot no, Wil wilmot and then angel park and we had a really really good weekend all the way up to that point and for some reason we just drew the short stick <laughs> and we qualified the last person going out and the track was absolutely not there so it it never really came back all night, but we were able to throughout the heat race and then transferring into the B main and really started to find some speed in the B main. And that's where making some adjustments from that heat really helped us. And the speed that we found was really, really nice. This 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 guy was the only guy on the top of the racetrack in the B main, and I, I'm watching this going. Well, Tyler, it was kind of cool to see you, but it's a bummer uh, that you're not going to make the show. And then all of a sudden, you just stuck with it, man. The persistence to stay up there, and then all of a sudden, bam, you're you're passing this guy, you're passing this guy, two for one deal down the back straightaway, getting around uh, Darren Nida for the final transfer spot, I believe it was, uh, in a two for one deal down the back stretch. And I thought, well damn <laughs> i'll eat crow for dinner tonight i guess because my god uh that really came in the patience for you to do that i mean do you go into that race committed to the top with the adjustments that you've made or did you need to play around with it a little bit or was it just the fact that everybody was on the bottom and the top was the only place to be well it, it's a really unique dynamic that i have with uh, my crew chief alex and he uh he's able to really kind of tell where I'm needing to be on the racetrack. And sometimes I don't even have to tell him and he's, he's working on trying to make it good for where I need it to be good at. And I just, I committed to go to the top. I told him before I even hit the racetrack, we were sitting there in line. I said, well, I'm going to put it on the top. And if it works, it works. If it don't, it don't. And it worked. So I was extremely surprised because we took off and I didn't feel like I was, as fast as I should be up top. And by the end of it, it was a, a rocket ship. I felt like with a couple more laps, we probably could have won the B main. I agree with that, by the way, you, you were moving. The, the feature was in my mind, extremely crazy from my standpoint, because the bottom of the racetrack after halfway started rubbering up and we were still passing guys running on the outside and everybody was sucked to the bottom. It didn't really show a whole lot uh, of my car in the the feature, but 
we were able to really make that top top line that was maybe six inches off the wall all the way around. Wow. Really worked. Wow. <laughs> it was awesome. It was a it was a neat racetrack. I uh, I look forward to going back. More, for sure. So I guess that was a long way of me asking more IRA in twenty twenty four. Um well I would say that's a good direction to look into. We are not saying no, we're not saying hundred percent yes, but Tyler Rankin for president, twenty twenty four. There you go. <laughs> uh, but well, no, I, well I that, like you said, right? You got to kind of wait and see what everybody else throws out there. Yet we haven't really seen a lot of twenty twenty four schedules, money, anything like that. Well, I'm pretty sure there's probably going to be quite a few series that are going to pop up um, <clears throat> after the conversation release or whatever that happened today, <clears throat> but. The IRA deal that's out there is pretty strong, and <clears throat> it's been it's been there for quite a few years. And I think the program they put out is very conducive for moving to that next level and having to show up every single night. I mean, I I think every time we went out there, I mean, we went out six times. There was never a car count underneath thirty eight cars. Wow. So you either show up and qualify or you're behind the eight ball all night. So it's super conducive to learning and putting yourself on that higher level every single night. Tyler, you mentioned about, you know, getting better and, and especially with the four tens, that was kind of up your alley. It, are you working on being more consistent where you don't have the highs and the low nights or are you working on just trying to get better on different types of racetracks? Obviously the consistency, if you're looking at going for a championship, you, you got to have the consistency and roughly after Attica uh, at the end of the year, I feel like our consistency got tremendously better. We, we were able to knock off two wins. We were able to get a top 10 with IRA. And we were able to just really make a stronger stride going into the tailing end of the year. So I, I feel like working on the consistency end of it is key. You know, if you're consistently fighting for wins, you're going to at least win a one or two. But if you're running 10th, 13th, it's pretty hard to win from that far back. Man, so, up, uh, th- man, Tyler, we, first of all, we want to thank you for making time for us coming on the show tonight. But uh, like all the drivers that come on, we want to get let you uh, give a shout-out to uh, all the people that make it possible for you to jump in that race car. Well, I want to first off thank uh, Greg Wheeler and Alex Nordstrom and Dave Hummel and my mom and my wife, soon to be wife, and seven days. As oh, we go to that reminds Mexico. me, by the way. Happy birthday. Uh, I forgot about that. Happy belated <laughs> birthday. I was like, man, there was something else I wanted to say to Tyler, and I cannot remember what it was. Uh, man, this is a big month for you. Birthday and getting married this month. That's pretty fun. Yeah. 
we're uh, we're headed off to Mexico here in about. Oh shit! What happens in Mexico? You know about that, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I think you'd have to fill me in on that because I am very oblivious. <laughs> well, that's because nobody knows because what happens in Mexico stays in Mexico. All right, so you just remember that while you're down there. <laughs> Fair. Uh, but hey, congratulations, man! That's cool. I I really appreciate that. It'll be a it'll be a fun time. Uh, nice to get away after the season. For sure. So, so now before Zach rudely interrupted you while you were thanking everybody. Well, he was thanking his soon-to-be <laughs> wife, and then the, the squirrel the squirrel hopped back on the cart there, so I had to take advantage of that. Sorry about that. But, yeah, uh, the, the race car side of things. Yeah. Well, the, the sponsors that, that come on board this year for us, and it's such a, a huge appreciation from my end of it. And Flint Trucking. Uh, has been around for a very long time in my racing career, and I, I appreciate everything they've done. And then Sterling Express and Richard Welldoing and Repair, New Finish Sandblasting and Powder Coating in Coldwater, Michigan, um, Quality Diesel Performance, Native Trails Tobacco and Vapor, Hamilton Trucking, CMR, Wholesale Tools, um, Canopies RS, BW Transport, New Merricks Incorporated, Shark Racing Engines, Cage Suspension by Drew Bible, uh, Smith Titanium, Real Craft, Hard Drive, and JCR Tool and Performance. And I really want to thank all the fans that had supported me all year long. I mean, t-shirt sales and everything that would go into a single night with the fan interactions and stuff. I just, those are the ones that I really appreciate because they're, they're there with you through thick and thin. So I just, the the industry that we're in right now, it's pretty awesome to be a part of it. They call him Iron Man, and he raced a lot over the uh, Midwest and other areas this year. 40 events, 25 top 10s, four feature wins to go along with it. We call him Tyler Rankin. Man, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, congratulations. Happy birthday. Have fun down in Mexico, but don't forget to come home, all right? All righty. Thank you, guys. Well, uh, you wouldn't know it by talking to him, but he was pretty happy with the way the 2023 <laughs> went. I got I'm, Tyler is not that way in person. If you talk to him in person, he, he cuts up a little bit, laughs with you. You can, But when he talks on the phone, he is just smooth as silk, isn't he? Just straight laced. Yeah. But, uh, you know, four wins after the year that they've had, you may not think, well, that's not exactly setting the world on fire. But, Rich, those four wins, uh, according to my race pass, I mean, they're across the board with a lot of different racetracks that he went to. 40 events this year, that's on the higher side of the numbers that we'll see out of, out of guys that we talk to the rest of the offseason. Yeah, and I think what what you said, the 25 top 10, Zach, yeah. I think was important out of 40 starts. I think if he can I, – I don't think he's worried about those 25. I think he's worried about the last 15. Right. And get and getting rid of those, Right. Getting rid of those, put, put some of those in the top five, top ten category, and maybe you win a few more races, you know? I mean, you turn... You're not going to win them all. You know that, right? You're not, you're not going to win them all. But, boy, you got to give yourself a chance. That's right. Absolutely. And uh, we, as we hung up the phone with him, we said, by the way, we didn't even talk about the, the newly announced Maverick Sprint Car Series in Indiana as an option that you could run. 
Um, 410 Sprint Car Racing, you got a lot of, I mean, we've been talking about it all show. You have a lot of options going into 2024. Attica Fremont Challenge Series, Fast on Dirt, Maverick, uh, and then, of course, Weekly Series uh, at Butler if you want to run there. Weekly IRA if you want to make a little bit of a trip to the West. <laughs> All-Star Circuit of Champions slash High Limit, World of Outlaws, which don't come to our neck of the woods very often. Uh, 410 Sprint Car Racers, Rich, they got a decision to make here in, in 2024. Yeah, but you know what, Zach? It's October still. I know. I know. We're, we're being race fans, and we want everything now, 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 right? Damn it. Um, <laughs> it it'll all come out. It'll give these guys. We just we just wrapped up a season. Okay? I know. I know. Uh, and, Which is probably we're why we're all chomping at the bit, because yeah, we know it's we, coming to an end. Yeah, we, we and and we're not even giving the promoters time to work on everything. Uh, let's give them a few months. They'll they'll start coming out with schedules the end of the year around the holidays. Usually, you start seeing them first of the year, and um, maybe we'll have an, we'll have another sprint car show that'll be a lot more interesting and with a lot more questions. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about some things that are on the upcoming calendar. Rich, uh, this one was a question mark until about an hour before this show was recorded. Montpelier Motor Speedway is going to have. A Monster Mash. It'll be a two-day show featuring the rescheduled Super Street Rumble. So here are the details. You can find these on Facebook uh, if you uh, need to, to have them in writing. But here's what we've got. Friday, Super Streets for $100 to start and $1,000 to win. 25-lap feature. That Friday event features Hornets, Late Models, Modifieds, Super Streets, Street Stocks, Trucks, and everybody's new favorite division, the Crown VIX. Late models, $200 to start, $1,500 to win on Friday. This is October 27th. Then on Saturday, it is the annual Monster Mash celebration. $200 to start, $1,500 to win for late models, or $2,000 to win if they get 25 cars or more. Late models, modified super streets, street stocks, Crown VIX, and Hornets are the lineup. $20 is the ticket for each night, $35 pit pass. Trick-or-treating on Saturday through the pits, and racing begins at uh, 5.30 p.m., which is when practice starts. Racing will immediately follow. Pits open at 3, gates at 4, practice at 5.30 with racing to follow. Trick-or-treating, by the way, if you're bringing the kids from 4 to 4.30 during the Monster Mash on Saturday, but it is a Friday-Saturday show this weekend at Montpelier. And we got a couple shows coming up this week. If you live in southern Michigan or mid-Michigan, we're going to give you a couple options here. We're not quite done. This may be it, Zach. We keep saying that. I'm telling you. Well, we, can we stretch it any thinner? I mean, can we I don't know get how. any further into the offseason? But what so do you got? Like we, Tell me. Like like we talked with Rick Farmer tomorrow night, Fremont Speedway, the Showdown Series event, Bill Hahn Memorial Art Ball Championship, uh, late models, and the Showdown Series cars. This is the uh, continuation of the October 6th event. Uh, that Mother Nature took care of. Uh, $10 general admission, $30 if you want to go in the pits. Gates, they're going to move things along tomorrow. They're not going to sit around in the cool weather. Uh, gates open at 4 p.m., driver's meeting at 5.15, hot laps to follow right after the driver's meeting, then right into racing. So get there at 4 as early as you can if you want to get down to Fremont Speedway. And uh, Saturday, this Saturday, Birch Run Speedway, yes, the season finale, Eve of Destruction, Push-pull cars, figure-eight trailers, flagpole race, figure-eight school bus race, back-to-school race, spectator drags, also a trunk or treat for the kids, all at Birch Run Speedway on Saturday. Gates open at 4 p.m., racing at 6 p.m. at Birch Run. By the way, they could not have picked a better date for the reschedule of tomorrow's race at Fremont. 
Partly cloudy skies, a high of 78 degrees, and an overnight low of 60 for tomorrow. Can you imagine if yesterday's weather would have been on Tuesday? It would have been miserable. We had frost on the ground this morning when I woke up. Uh, so they got away with one right there. Well, tonight after the show, I'm, I'm going to call in because there's a golf course calling my name tomorrow, <laughs> I think. So, if you're looking for me at work, uh, you're, you're, you may not find me. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, looking ahead to this weekend, Saturday for the night of destru- destruction, for the end of October, you can't complain. Partly cloudy skies, 52 degrees for Saturday's night of destruction at Birch Run Speedway. So you'll get away with one there uh, at Birch Run. Which, by the way, bring, is in between Friday and Sunday rain showers. So bring a hoodie, and they sell plenty of Pepsi's in the gas alley bar and grill. All right? <laughs> yes, they do. You'll be, you will be just fine. You won't know the difference. Trust me. Well, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of Horsepower Happenings for Rich France, who uh, does I don't know a little bit of everything around these parts. Scott Menland pays the bills once in a while. Uh, have you? Do, do, do we still get paid for doing this? Uh, I don't know. Do you get paid we, we, for for things that you do? If, yeah. we, if we're supposed to get paid, I got a phone call to make. <laughs> and uh, that's going to do it for tonight's episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm Zach Heiser. We'll talk to you next week. Same time, same place, uh, which let me think about this. Hold on just a tick here. Seven days from now, it'll be a uh, almost Halloween special ahead of the All-American 400. So next week's show going to be a lot of fun as well. So we'll talk to you next week. Same time, same place right here. Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.